0: Hey, guys, it's Dave Chang here, host of The Dave Chang Show. You might hear me on with Chris Yang, Noel Cornelio, and a host of other guests. We've been on air for quite some time now, and it's changed over the years. But one of the things we always try to talk about is what's delicious, how to be a better eater. And you might hear me rambling incoherently, contradicting myself every five minutes. We talk about some sports and culture and all kinds of other things, too. I think we're the the most expert opinions you'll ever hear about anything. Check us out if you haven't before on the ringer podcast
1: network. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus view it's historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can scare an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes
2: And welcome to Recipe Club, where we debate the best way to cook the things you want to eat. My name is Chris Ying. This week, after sending out the call for rice pilaf recipes, we were greeted with a doozy. Listener Shahar Sofer sent in her family recipe for Tabit, a total showstopper of a dish that involves slow cooking a whole chicken in a cocoon of rice, meat, and tomato, seasoned with the Middle Eastern staple, Baharat. Shahar says... This dish has been around for decades or maybe centuries as a Saturday afternoon evening meal that is served after baking in the oven for hours during Shabbat. It's from Jews in Iraq, where my mom's family is from. This was written by my mom, who makes it based on my grandmother's recipe, although my grandma never measured or wrote anything down. Here at the club, we were immediately drawn to this recipe because it's big and wild and full of unfamiliar ingredients and amazing instructions like, if you stuff the chicken, make sure that some liquid is entering the chicken opening It's a celebratory dish, a comfort food that pushed all of us outside our comfort zones. We reached out to Shahar to get a few more details about the recipe, but Shahar's sister, Karen, stepped in and turned out to be incredibly well-versed in all things culinary. Honestly, she could probably host this podcast as well or better than us. She even interviewed her grandmother for us, who you'll hear from in just a second. After my conversation with Karen, stick around for Dave Chang, Priya Krishna, and myself as we talk through our experiences with the Sofer family to beat. And don't forget to send in your own recipes to the fixer at majordomomedia.com and subscribe to our Major Domo Media YouTube channel to see the action as it unfolded. So let's just start with this. Why don't you just tell me, tell us who you are and, and what recipe you've brought for us uh, to the show.
3: My name is Karen sofer Sharon and I'm bringing a to-beat recipe. Who,
2: whose recipe is this to start with?
3: So, this specific recipe was written by my mom, but Tabit is an ancient recipe. So, I come from a long line of Babylonian Jews who, um, for many thousands of years lived in what's modern day Iraq. And Tabit was the quintessential Sabbath meal. So, uh-huh. During the Jewish Sabbath, you're not allowed to labor or cook or do anything um, besides rest. And so my ancestors would prepare this slow-cooked meal in a big clay pot and put it on a on a fire before the Sabbath started on Friday evening, and it would cook low and slow all night long, until everyone came home from synagogue the next the next morning on Saturday morning, and got to eat this warm, delicious lunch um, around noon.
2: This is this is one of my absolute favorite. <laughs> traditions like I mean like Cholent is sort of like a similar idea right yes. you cook, you're not supposed to cook or work or do anything on, on, on the Sabbath so you you start this you start cooking the night before and then you just let it go you go to synagogue. You come home, and like the house is full of like aromas, and and you come home to this meal. Like this is one of the greatest things ever. Like I just want to do this for myself, just because I'm lazy, and I just want to like have food waiting.
3: It truly, it truly is one of the most feminist meals ever. You know, it's all about <laughs> preserving the labor of women, and uh-huh. also, like you said, just like the house smells absolutely incredible all night long. I've never made it throughout the night. We only make it during the day cuz we have ovens now, but I can't imagine the kind of dreams I would have if this were, you know, cooking in my house overnight.
2: <laughs> totally. Just like you're 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 bathing in this as you sleep. Uh so you sent us also this really adorable conversation you had with your grandmother. So is uh, she the one who taught your mom how to make this?
3: Yes, she is. This is a recipe that's been passed down for many generations. Although, as you might have noticed from the interview, every Iraqi woman has their own opinion about how to make this dish. Have you tried making it with lamb ever? I'm sure the family would like like it. Try. Let's try. They used to make it with lamb. That's how you're supposed to make it. Ground. It's also ground lamb. I'm, I bet um, the family wouldn't even notice. They'll just say, why? They hate I lamb. lamb. Your it's mother so hates lamb. lamb. She loves lamb. She hates lamb. <laughs> Everybody in the family loves lamb, Safda. I love it, but I know my kids Everybody don't. Everybody loves lamb. Okay,
1: so make it with lamb.
3: Okay, we should try it with lamb. So let's say you're making your five cups. Yeah. How how much spice, how much of the baharat, and how much salt do you think you end up putting I in the end? I don't know. I taste it. I go like that and I see if I like it. If it needs more from this, I add more. If I needs more salt, I put more salt. Okay. If it needs more parat, I put more parat. The other thing is in terms of the amount of seasoning, my memories of of watching my mom and grandma cook this growing up is that it's never enough cardamom. Like there's always a point while while the cooking's happening when they open the freezer and they take out the like really precious glass jar of cardamom um, Mm -hmm. and they just, you know, put like half of the jar all over it because this is also what makes my family's recipe different. It's, we need 10 times more cardamom than every other family.
2: (laughs) I I made this (laughs) recipe where with like nobody else around to eat. It. Oh I was no. Like, oh, oh my god. <laughs> what am I going to do? How many would you say this recipe tends to feed for your your family? And is it any recipe that, you know, you've got leftovers people take away or what is the what is the story? Give me paint a picture for how many people are eating this. Tell me the the sort of situation.
3: Well, there's no scenario in which this is the only dish on the table. And this is also a a holiday treat. So we usually have 10 different giant dishes. Um, but this easily could feed 20, feed 25 people.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Or, or or (laughs) what? And and you know what?
3: But it's always, it's always made for leftovers because the leftovers are the most, you know, the most caring, uh, gift to a family member. So what I like to do is I take, what is it, quart size Ziploc bags. And I fill, I fill up a portion and I flatten it and I freeze Mm. it flat. So I just have a, a book stack of to beat in my freezer for, for a rainy day. Oh man. This is, this is like my, my last supper. Like if I could choose my last meal on earth, it would be this.
2: Amazing. Yeah. I can see that. It's so comforting. Any, any sort of words of wisdom going into this for, so Priya's making this, Dave is making this. I've already made mine. So exciting! <laughs> things, things for our little our recipe club wedgies to think about. Any sort of pitfalls that you can foresee, or any sort of words of encouragement for them.
3: It's all about the seasoning. Besides, you know, over salting, which can definitely happen in any dish. There's really no way you can over season with spice with this dish. So add much more than you think you need to, especially if you have old spices, or you don't freeze your spices, or you haven't freshly ground them. And we, we think of the cardamom as outside of the spice mix because it stands on its own <laughs> and mm-hmm. needs, needs its time to shine. You know, the, the, the water that, you know, tastes at your own risk because it has some of the raw, the raw meat in there, but you'll be fine. Um, it should taste really pleasantly seasoned. And that's the thing, you know, this is where I'll admit I'm a total fraud. I've never made this entirely on my own.
1: I've always made it
3: with my mom and grandma because I have to admit the getting the seasoning part can be really intimidating, but it's also just that I'm, you know, I'm spoiled and I have all the matriarchs in my family who are continuing to nurture and cook for all of us. My grandma always, when I was a kid, she would, she would scoop up the really gooey parts and the really sticky and crunchy parts on the bottom and set them aside in the kitchen for me (laughs) as a secret. And, and now, you know, when, my mom adds um she she doesn't just add bones on the top she adds bones with extra meat so they're they're so crisp and delicious on the top and she sets them aside before serving so you know the people who know know that there's there is a cook's treat in the kitchen
2: uh that's amazing
3: what's really beautiful about it is it when it's presented it's kind of like the reveal of a Persian tadig or a Palestinian makluba. It's, it's like It's like, it's, it's a completely a showstopper. And it looks like it takes so much work, but the active cooking time is really short, you know? Super short. A really, really short. It's actually very easy to make and you just get to enjoy the smell the rest of the day. Oh, it needs to be in a nonstick pot, by the way. It's not, you know, a Dutch oven. It would be impossible to flip, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's cooking upside down from how it's presented. So it doesn't look very special.
2: Oh, interesting! So I didn't realize this was part of it. Is that you? You flip the whole pot onto the yeah, onto, onto a, a platter, platter and serve it that way. Okay, this is so, not. So I didn't do this. So the top of the this. presentation
3: okay. is like the is the bottom, and it's not it's not crispy like tadig, It's it's but it's um, it's intact and it's firm. It's chewy like a meat twizzler.
2: <laughs> Amazing.
0: Hello, guys. Welcome to another installment of Recipe Club, the most popular, most desirable, most loved podcast from the Major Doma Media <laughs> Network. <laughs> it's Priya Krishna, everybody. Yay! Hi. <laughs> Just back from India. hmm What was the number one most delicious thing you ate of the many, many delicious things you ate?
4: The most delicious thing by far was my mom took me to a stand Right near where she went to college, and they took an alutiki straight from the fryer. They sliced it in half lengthwise, almost like a biscuit, and then just like covered it in chana. And it was just, it just like overflowed. It was like a smothered biscuit, but alutiki. And that was, I was annoyed because my mom wouldn't let me have the chutneys and the yogurt on top because you're not supposed to have like the tap water in India, but she wouldn't let you have all the
2: fixings. Yeah, it
4: was a real bummer. That was very sad. That sounds amazing, though.
0: Well, Chris, um, we didn't eat those things. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
2: I haven't had anything like approaching that level of deliciousness in a long time. That's just upsetting.
0: No, No, no. But we did make something that I thought was we'll talk about. Maybe delicious. Yeah, I mean, maybe not delicious. <laughs> I'm excited <laughs> to hear.
4: He almost gave it away,
2: but he's like, wait, 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 wait. If I say it now, then nobody will listen to the rest of this podcast.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it was terrible. It was just or terrible. Or, or was, was it? it?
2: <laughs> Stay tuned. After these messages, <laughs> spoiler alert: uh, we're we're doing a we're doing another listener submitted recipe. This one for pilaf or palau. We put out the call for sort of anything that fell into the realm of the you know fragrant mixed rice dishes of the world from you know central asia to south asia to to wherever i think it's a long story tradition and we got we got a pretty good one pilaf is like so ubiquitous it's 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 one of the recipes that crest over a billion google hits when you search for it you know i think we've only hit that a couple of times but like it speaks to how universal this is Let's start here. What, where, What is your respective experiences and thoughts on pilaf in general?
4: I, I grew up with my version was bulao, which is uh, just basically like spiced rice with vegetables. It's sort of one of those like there's nothing else in the fridge to eat. So we're going to eat it. Uh, my dad developed this method of making it in the microwave where he would just put like rice, water, frozen vegetables, turmeric, and then like a couple whole spices and peppercorns and just like chuck it in the microwave for 20 minutes. And that would be our dinner often when my mom was out of town. And to this day, it's like pure comfort food for me.
2: Yeah, long grain rice.
4: Yeah, always long grain rice with a side of yogurt and a jar. So good.
2: I don't know about you, Dave. Like, I, I think like we were just such a short grain rice household. Like the only, the first time I ever had pilaf the only experience I had with pilaf until I was like twenty years old was from Sizzler. Like they, like the side of rice at Sizzler was pilaf, and I was like, "This pilaf stuff's pretty good." And I didn't really <laughs> understand what it was for a very, very long time. Did you eat dishes like this, Dave?
0: No. I mean, I think the first time I ever had it was in Williamsburg, Virginia. I had just played a golf tournament. I won, and we had <laughs> venison. I had venison for the first time. <laughs> So, more importantly, I won. 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 (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, okay, okay. I won the Virginia State Championship. I was nine years old. I beat everybody much older than me. Uh-huh. What
2: was the question again? <laughs> oh, yeah. I've never had Pilaf before. I don't know what you're talking about. I just wanted to mention the turkey. So, you
0: know, I'm just saying it was, you know, it wasn't quite a Madeleine, but it was a pristine moment for me. Because when I was thinking about a Pilaf, it was the only time I ever had it. it was in Williamsburg. I just played the Golden Horseshoe. And it was like one of the local fancy hotels there that had a nice restaurant. And it had venison for the first time. And I think that it was served with like, or it was a side of something. I was like, what is that? Mm -hmm. There's like shit in my rice. I remember it was like, that's not rice. (laughs) It's not fucking rice. Cause the only rice that I knew was white rice. And then the rice that all the older Korean people would eat that I would never eat. It was rice with like beans and stuff in it that turned it from white rice into stuff that I never wanted to eat. This one, (laughs) this one was different. I was like, It looks glossy. It looks like it was cooked in something. It looks like flecks of vegetables were in there. I never had vegetables cooked in my rice unless it was like with bibimbap. So I was dubious and suspect of it. And I tasted it, and it tasted like buttered noodles. That's what I thought it was like. Yeah. Okay. And, And another thing is, is like it was long grain, like Uncle Ben's converted rice, which... Again, like, I'm just not the biggest fan of. It's, it's okay. You know, some people can, another sports reference, like MLS soccer. Some people can't. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't desire it. But um, I've, I've never really had pilaf. I think I've had to make it once or two times in cooking school, and that was the last time I've made it. I've never made pilaf ever since. I've made different versions of it. I think biryani or something like that could, would be considered like a pilaf, right? Right. Or even a paella would be considered a pilaf.
4: I don't know. I feel like those are too fancy.
0: I think that I
2: think that uh paella and biryani have like pilaf, like share ancestors with pilaf. But Mm -hmm. I think that pilaf itself and like the the thing is like we this recipe we got definitely veered more into like the biryani world. But like a pilaf, it's it's basically the defining thing is that the rice grains are cooked in some kind of flavorful liquid flavored with meat or vegetables and I think it's really important that the grains are all separate. Like that's kind of like a defining aspect of a pilaf. Like it's a, it's a fluffy, <laughs> separate grain thing, but then it becomes so many different variations, right? Like I, biryani is like a descendant, but I think like my first real experience with a, a delicious pilaf was my friend Joe's mom makes an Afghan dish called like Kabuli Palau and it's like mm-hmm. lamb chunks and carrots and raisins and it's just like unbelievably delicious. It's like a big, you know, giant sharing family style thing. It's less, it's not this like side dish that you get next to your sizzler surf and turf or your, you know, your uh, venison after winning the Virginia state championship.
0: <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> and the only other, other comp that I have would be, you know, I, I I feel like in Korean culture, you don't have dishes. Maybe I'm wrong, but I didn't grow up with dishes where rice was cooked with meat or Mm -hmm. or seafood. In Japan, it's much more common with takikami gohan or maze gohan, which is like rice with difference and variation and fanciness, but basically rice cooked with like vegetables and meat. So this one, pilaf, pilau, pilaf, I thought growing up was basically just rice with vegetables, uh, maybe some chicken stock or something like that.
2: It's just another one of those, like, classic two good ideas, right? Like, in Japan, you have takikomi gohan, you have biryani, you have pilaf. All of it is based around, like, a very simple and, like, wonderful idea of, like, hey, what if I cook some stuff in the rice? And, like...
4: But it is... I mean, yeah, but it is cool that there are, like, so many words. Like, there's pilaf, there's pulau, there's plov, mm -hmm, which mm -hmm. I know is a thing. And I feel like there are, like, all these other, like, pea rice dishes that I imagine developed as, like, variations on that original Parsi word, which is really interesting to me.
2: Yeah. And then like, I think that in recent years, like tadig has become super popular, like the Iranian version mm-hmm. with like the crispy bottom. And uh, we'll get into, we'll get into so, like, a related topic with this recipe that I want to, I want to hear you guys take on, but uh, like we, like we were sort of alluding to like, this is not a straight up pilaf. So So the, the recipe we got mm-hmm. was from, a woman named Shahar Sofer and her sister, Karen. I talked to Karen because uh, her sister was too shy, even though she submitted the recipe. But this is basically a recipe for tabit, which is a Jewish Iraqi dish intended to be eaten on uh, the Sabbath when you can't, you're, you know, Jewish law sort of forbids lighting a fire on the Sabbath. So it's it's of the same tradition as Cholent and these dishes that you would cook overnight so you're not doing anything on the day of, of when you're not supposed to, but it cooks all night long. And then you have it for lunch. You have a hot lunch that you didn't, you know, technically break the rules for. So she sent in a recipe that is her mother's interpretation of her grandmother's recipe, which you know, her grandmother learned from her great grandmother. This is as family recipe as as it gets. And to beat is basically rice mixed with beef and tons of spices cooked around a whole chicken which sits in this pot uh, i had to transfer pots three times because i underestimated how big of a pot you need for this dish with a bunch of uh tomatoes and onions and aromatics it cooks for you know her her instructions for this to cook for seven hours there's the optional cow bones that you can toss in for flavor Priya, i, I imagine you opted out on cow bones as as did i and uh that's that's the that's the whole dish. It's it's a chicken sitting in a giant bed of rice for 7 hours that you're supposed to start uh you know the night before and then eat the the next day. So that's the recipe. Um like I said, it's like as grandmother mother recipe as as it gets. Just like I love so many of the instructions in here and like how she adds tomato sauce at seven different points in this recipe and I'm just like I don't know why I have to add a little bit now and a little bit in 5 seconds, but I'm following the recipe. Let's start with uh. Let's start with Priya. What did you think here? What did you think going into this recipe?
4: I was intrigued by the idea of like chicken and beef in one recipe. Like I've I've seen recipes where you know like the chicken fat drips down and seasons the rice, but I'm like, wow. But the rice is already you know intermixed with beef in this recipe. I was also like two full tablespoons of baharat seemed just like so so much yeah. and thankfully i had like i had a i had a canister of it but i used pretty much the entire canister yeah of that seasoning and i was like this seems like a ton of spices for this quantity of rice i also located the biggest possible pot that we had <laughs> and even still like a bubble would like send it over the edge. It was like truly like I had a huge, huge, huge pot and it barely fit into the pot. I was also, I literally just landed at like six 30 that morning from India. And then I realized that I had to make this dish like that day. And so I was just like very deliriously adding stuff, hoping for the best. Uh, I, Oh, I also, I also almost bought chicken parts. Cause I was like, I don't want to break. I don't want to have to cut a whole chicken. But then I like looked up the dish and it felt like a crux of the dish was like seeing the whole chicken on the You gotta have rice. a whole
2: bird in the middle so, of this thing, yeah.
0: So I got, I got the
4: whole bird.
2: What's your report, Dave?
0: Uh, first of all, what exactly is in the spice blend Baharat? So
2: Baharat is Arabic for spices. And I think, I mean, I looked at my little canister thing, which I shared with Dave. And I think it's like cumin, coriander, pepper, cinnamon, allspice, cardamom. Maybe clove, nutmeg.
0: Smells like clove. Smells. It literally yeah, smells so like so many everything. warm spices. Yeah. 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 Uh, I didn't smell any fenugreek, though. That was like the only thing. I was like, what? what, what is missing in here? It's missing <laughs> right. maybe star anise, fennel seed, and fenugreek. But it feels like there's a blend of everything else um, that is a warm spice. Yeah. I thought it was maybe overkill to add cardamom on top of the baharat
2: interesting because I so I I thought so oh, first of all I had the same reaction to what Priya was saying to where I was like two tablespoons are you fucking kidding me but then I was like maybe more maybe more <laughs> this thing could take way more I could take it this giant pot can take a lot of spice but then when I spoke to Karen who sent in the recipe she was like our family's thing with this dish is like cardamom on top of everything like cardamom 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 so that might be a familial thing did you not like cardamom not- on top
0: I I wound up thinking that it was pretty balanced. The whole thing was wildly confusing for me. (laughs) (laughs) There's nothing that wasn't confusing this entire process. Because in my old age, I I can't remember anything that I read that's like farther away. Like if it's if I have to read something and go back to something because the computer screen was like 10 steps away, by the time it was my fifth step, I couldn't remember. It was like mini, mini onset of Alzheimer's. I couldn't remember anything. (laughs) And I was having go back. Yeah, and I was like, oh fuck, what's going on? I couldn't remember (laughs) anything. And then I just had to sit down and be like, okay, how do I paraphrase this recipe? What are the steps? Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, mix everything. Basically, and I, this is where I, I, I could be wrong. I don't think you need to do all the steps that she said she, she laid out. I think you can just basically mix everything yeah, yeah, uh, because it's all going in the same time. So that's basically what I did. And and uh, I didn't stuff it. And I just mix all the ingredients with the exception of the chicken and then put it in a pot and you put the chicken on top and you basically dust the chicken with more of the seasoning and you're ready to go. And that's what I did. So I put it in. Chang dummy speak, and I was like, oh, I get it. So, th- and then I, that's how I made it. And um, my biggest issue was, I didn't, I, my Le Creuset was the biggest pot that I had that could be put in the oven. And I don't have the giant one. The giant one that I really should have, I don't have. So I had, I would say a third of the rice mixture mm. that's now just now like turned into rice pudding in my <laughs> refrigerator, Meat, meat, <laughs> meat
2: rice pudding. Just, it's fermenting into a haggis in your in your fridge right now. So yeah, I mean, quickly for me, I share in your confusion. <laughs> I was like, I, I mean, I was unfamiliar with every single part of this recipe yeah. in like a great way because I was just like, I don't know, I've never had baharat. I don't, I don't know how much is too much, how much is too little. I don't ever cook long grain rice. I don't really ever cook rice like this. I've never like she she identifies this as. The worst part of the recipe uh is when you have to like essentially mix yeah, the ground beef like with that. the rice.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> <laughs> because you don't want to make, I mean, to Dave's point, like everything gets mixed together, but like you can't just throw in two blocks of ground beef into the pot. Yeah. Like it's got to get like distributed with the rice. So you're like massaging rice into meat. And I was looking at it, I'm just like, this. Cannot possibly be right (laughs) Like I I don't know I'm making a giant Rice and beef Meatball and then Like (laughs) Like your problem Priya and Dave's problem Like I said like I put it in one bowl To mix and then it was immediately overflowing (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I transferred the mixture into another Bowl and then I put it all I dumped it all Into a big Le creuset, and then I reached Chang's problem where I was like Huh the chicken is in here and about One third of the rice fits in the pot Now so I like basically dirtied 17 dishes to find the right gigantic stock pot. It was kind of exciting just to like have no idea what was going to happen at any given point in this thing. I agree that like, like I said, I, I asked Karen about like the multiple, multiple additions of like add a little bahara now yeah. and then a little bit of tomato <laughs> yeah. sauce. Now mix it up a little bit, add a little more tomato sauce. I'm just like, can I just dump it all in? But like, who am I to question grandma's wisdom?
4: The other, wait, the other thing I was curious about, did you, I did, I followed the instructions in that I put the chicken, I put the water, and then I put the meat mixture, so it was almost like, it was like, it was like it was a little ocean, and I was like placing, placing yeah. blocks of meat yeah. in the water. It. <laughs> I was Which just is like, I was like,
2: this, this, this shit better break <laughs> yeah. up in here. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm gonna have like a chicken with like four giant meatballs floating around <laughs> yeah. it. Totally. I was like, I yeah. don't. This cannot be. But then it like, it did exactly what it should do, right? Like the rice mm-hmm. broke up, and it was just kind of like, yep. and, and like mixing it with the ground beef was the right thing to do. There's also like, uh, the recipe calls for. I love this. One pound of beef chunks. Yeah, whatever beef chunks you can find. <laughs> so, when it came to cooking. I don't know if you guys had the same question, but I was like, rice is done in 40 minutes. <laughs> what is going to happen for the next like 6 hours yeah. and 20 minutes? Yes. Like what's going to happen? And so, I covered it up and I stuck it in there and I took a lot of little peeks at it. Did you guys peek at your rice during the cooking?
4: I did. I mean, I kind of went off script here. Like first of all, I was like the water needs to evaporate, so I didn't cover it for the when it was like at high heat. Like mm. I cooked it, but then at 550, I think it was 550, whatever the high temperature was, mm-hmm, my mm-hmm. smoke alarm went off like seven different <laughs> times, basically. And the water, water wasn't the water wasn't really evaporating. So I sort of got to a point where I was just like, I need to cover this. And my and and Seth was like yelling at me because our alarm kept going <laughs> off. So like I think after like 30 minutes, I was just like, Well, the water's not evaporating. And I know that rice cooks in this certain amount of time. So I'm just gonna chuck the lid on and turn the temperature down and hope for the best. Yeah. But that part was really stressful. And most of my videos, frankly, are me like running around to the fire alarm, trying <laughs> to wave a towel at it.
2: Uh, is anybody come with me if I just say, fire alarms are pointless? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Smoke alarms have never been useful in my entire life. I'm sure they'll save my life one day. But all they, they, save they my, do they, is it's,
0: They saved my life once. Have they really? Oh, yeah. Wow. Like you were uh-huh. in a place where oh at the restaurant no and and I was cooking once and I th- passed out.
4: Oh my god! What? jeez. Yeah, 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 yeah. I bet Chris feels really bad. I feel like an idiot now. now. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. Smoke alarms. Hey, this just in.
2: Smoke alarms save <laughs> lives, guys. Smoke
0: alarms do save <laughs> lives. <laughs> well, once I translated the recipe into <laughs> d- dummy Chang uh, code, <laughs> uh, I, I sort of like, figured it out, nailed it. I was a little worried, again, once I put the chicken in, it basically went right to the meniscus of the Le crusade. Yep. But I, Same. I I willed it. I said, you're not going to win today.
2: <laughs> you shall not pass. You over, shall not over,
0: Overflowing <laughs> meat mixture with tomato and baharat <laughs> and cardamom. You will not win today. And I said, I am going to tame you. And I, I, I put the lid on. I put it in at 290 degrees on the oven. And then I lost the war because smoke alarm started going (laughs) off. Yep. And I was so mad because the first part, if it boils over, is always the most dangerous part Mm -hmm. in any oven spill, because usually if you're cooking meats or stuff, that's the top layer of grease that comes out. So you can actually, it's quite dangerous. So I, I had to turn off the oven. I had to clean up the spill. And then I cranked the oven up to burn off on any of the existing grease. So that like delayed it. I did not put that on the videotape because I was in such a hurry. There was no way I could like be like, oh, I have to document this. You know, be like, <laughs> oh, my house is on fire. Where's oh, my, my house on fire? Yeah. Yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Wait. So Dave, you skipped the high temperature altogether. You just did it. No, I, brought, I put it
0: to a boil. So anytime I just as a cooking uh, technique. Anytime you braise anything and you put it to the oven, right? A lot of times people might just put their braising liquid or cooking liquid into the pot and then put it in the oven. You should always bring it to a boil on the stovetop. So that's what I did. I didn't even, I mean, I saw that it was like cooking. I was like, well, I'm just going to do what is like proper cooking. I'm going to bring it to a boil. So it started to simmer. I put the lid on and then I put it in the oven. And I, I knew better. I knew I was like, oh, this is going to overflow, especially I'm not a, a man of science, but I do know that rice expands <laughs> and I know that heat, heat expands in general. So I was like, I wonder who is stronger here, science, the laws of thermodynamics or my willpower. And I was a little right. disappointed. <laughs>
2: What's then going I with? lost? Science or just my desire for this not to happen?
0: <laughs> and 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 as as I was cleaning it up, I I wasn't videotaping any of this. And then I did it, and I put it back in. So what I did as a trick, I put a sheet tran sheet pan of water underneath yeah. to I, catch I, all I, the drippings.
4: I, I did something like that too. Yeah.
0: So and I just refilled that with water over the next three hours, three four hours because I did not cook it for seven hours. I popped it in at two thirty, and. I cranked it up to about three fifty about uh, w- a like four o'clock so like two hours in. i uh, all that I cooked for like three and a half hours okay
2: i actually I wanted to know that priya did you make it for the full term
4: I think I did it on high for like forty minutes and then I did it on the the lower heat setting for about two hours and honestly my it was a little overdone I should have taken it out like half an hour before mm. then
2: yeah i think i ch- I, I think i peeked at it many, many times. And then at like three hours or two and a half hours, I started, you know, I was tasting it and I was like, I, I don't know what's going to happen for the next four hours. That's going to make this different yeah. in a great way. So I probably I probably caved and pulled it out after three and a half hours, four hours.
0: My one regret is not the one regret. The, the crispy, the rice that got stuck and the chicken that got stuck to the top of the lid was delicious, was the, the best, best part. part of it. And it was relatively moist, it wasn't overdone, but I feel like if I, in the process, took the lid off and let it crisp. Like, dry out and crisp yeah. up for another hour, that's probably w- the best move, right? I, it's still gonna be very moist, like rice, but right. I, I think if you cranked up the heat, that's what I would recommend. I would take the lid off, crank up the heat for to for like 400, maybe 450, and do that for like an hour, and I think you'd be in a nice place.
2: So what I liked about the, uh, what I really liked about this was like, and I wasn't sure if this was intentional and I, I ended up asking, you know, the the recipe submitter this question, but like I liked that there were sort of varieties of rice texture throughout this thing. Same. Like, the top yeah. was drier, a little, you know, like more pilafy. just underneath that, it was like more cooked too, like I don't want to say mush, but like mush in a better way, like, you know, really cooked rice. And then you have like, you don't have tadig. You don't have like a crispy bottom, but you have like the more caramelized bits on the on the very bottom of the pan. Now, here was something I didn't understand, and I want to know if you guys intuitively did this. But she told me when I talked to her after making mine that when they when she, when her family serves it, they invert the whole thing onto a giant platter and like release it, so the chicken is like buried in rice, and it's not just like served out of the the pot. Did you guys just happen to do that?
4: Oh my god, that would have been a. There, there was no way that mine would have done that neatly. No. Like, also, my chicken was like falling off the the bone. Yeah. Like it was just, it was not a whole intact chicken.
2: Yeah, I think the presentation. I, I loved seeing it like that, just chicken island in a in an ocean of rice. It was yeah. cool looking. Yeah. So speaking of you know the baharat and I knowing how much to season it, you know I tasted I tasted the broth at you know various points before I went in. I thought I had the seasoning on point, but then I pulled it out and I was like, this needed so much seasoning (laughs) because you're like, you're seasoning the rice, the broth, a whole chicken, a pound of beef, like two pounds of ground beef. And I thought I had added so much of the Baharat, so much salt, but it could take even more. Did you guys feel like the seasoning it called for was appropriate or did you guys go more?
4: I realized that the, I bought proper tomato sauce, like salted tomato sauce, okay. because I saw that there wasn't a ton of, of extra salt in the recipe. So I think because I bought and I was like, I feel like they probably buy their tomatoes with like a little bit of salt in it, too. And so by using salted tomato sauce, I actually thought the salt level was it was pretty great.
2: Uh, I also like that. Grandma says, if you dare taste the liquid. I, and see if I did not. Salt. I did not dare. You didn't dare. I was, I was like, <laughs> mom dares. I like this. I like this. What was your what was your your seasoning process, Dave?
0: I eyeballed it with a regular teaspoon. And at some point I just threw everything in. I didn't add any salt. I don't even know if the tomato sauce that I bought was salted or not. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. I again used the force and I just eyeballed the salt from the get-go. Mm-hmm. Just r- right in there with the water. And I added the water to the the meat slurry pudding <laughs> uh-huh. and, I, and i added it and i was like should i microwave something just to check the seasoning i didn't i felt really strong in my 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 forced willpower and i tasted it halfway through to check the seasoning and it was only had in my week really i might have done this in another lifetime made this dish because <laughs> i was like oh fuck i just nailed the seasoning across the board <laughs> right you're like, oh, fuck, I won the Virginia State Youth Golf Championship. <laughs> yeah. Get it right, Chris, the Virginia State Junior Championship. Junior
2: Championship, excuse me, excuse me, as a nine-year-old yeah. beating 12-year-olds.
0: No, and I, I nailed it, and I, I, I was like, oh, shit, like, it was pretty weird. This is a dish that I, if I would make, I was making before. Like uh, I would want to taste everything along the way to know mm-hmm. how it's all going to come together. I didn't test taste anything until that yeah. moment. I had, no like. I had no idea what baharat tasted like. I no idea what anything was going to taste like. It was a total. I don't know, like you know, <laughs> felt like it was Forrest Gump and a box of chocolates. I was like, I have no idea what's going to happen here. Let's just see. And and I was like, oh, this is actually going to come out. Once I tasted it and the salt was right, not just the seasoning, the salt was right. I think this dish, the salt has to be close to like finished, right? Which is always hard because when you are making a rice dish and you're salting it, it changes clearly as it cooks. So sometimes it it's almost, if you think it, uh, you taste something and then you cook it and there's rice in it, and you think that the salt's right? There's no rhyme or reason. It can be under-season later. It could be overseasoned later. I always find it's very hard to f- figure out. Yeah. So this was that's going to be a really tricky part to this dish for people to to suss out. But I knew then when I tasted it halfway through, I was like, "This is going to be fucking outstanding." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Oh, oh wow, this yeah. is going to be really good."
2: Yeah. So let's let's give some. Let's let's uh, end the suspense a little bit here, Priya. What was your when you what was your 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 taste verdict? Give us give us the. Uh...
4: It was delicious when I tasted it. I tasted the rice first, and just like the, it was just so like rich and aromatic, and like my rice had crusted to the side of my pan, so like the side was crusty. I totally agree with you, Chris. Sort of like the combo, like the dry rice, the moist rice, the crusty rice. Like, that was amazing. The top of my chicken had, like, browned and, like, slightly blackened really, really beautifully. That was delicious. The chicken itself was overcooked, but that's probably because I just didn't... Like, I I should have just checked it earlier and taken it out. Hmm. But, I mean, the flavors were amazing. Um, I had had the baharat sitting in my pantry and, like, wondering what the best use of it is. And I was like, oh, well, this, I guess... Yeah, it was just it was just really, really delicious. I ended up eating it almost like I eat polau. Like I put a little bit of yogurt and I put a little bit of pickle mm-hmm. and it was outstanding.
2: OK, because I, I was like, I wanted that exact thing. I wanted some yogurt on there or something. The one thing I disagree with in this recipe, she says, like, this is more of a chicken dish than a rice dish. And I'm like, it's not like no, the chicken, I is, totally given, disagree. The chicken yeah. is given the chicken has given everything. It has sacrificed itself and its and its moisture to this rice. No
0: offense to the the author of the recipe. This is the furthest thing from a chicken dish.
4: Yeah, it's not. It's definitely <laughs> it's a rice just, dish. No, no not is,
0: even a rice dish. This is a meat dish. It's a beefy. It's a it's a, a beef. beef dish. <laughs> it's as, as beefy as a beef dish could ever be. This is like the beefiest Trojan horse of all time. Because I mean, the sad chicken is just being like engulfed by beef rice. I know, you're literally just <laughs> watching
4: the chicken, like, slowly give in. Chicken is it's, quicks- like, it's like watching, like, quicksand. It yeah, just, it's like, like a, disappears. Exactly.
0: <laughs> like a Venus <laughs> yeah. flytrap of beef rice. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and then there's only enough rice to keep the sausage from, like, being a homogenized, like, brick of beef. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, there's, the rice <laughs> actually just separates the beef. It's It's like <laughs> a wall... It's like a cross section of like concrete or something. It was very strange. Yeah, So much beef. I, I You really take the beef to the breaking point here.
2: It's the maximum like beef saturation point for sure. Yeah. And like, you're, like the rice does exist just so that like you're not literally just baking chicken in beef. <laughs> <laughs> like just, a, just a meatloaf around chicken. Although no, that would be pretty good.
0: Yeah, it's baked. You know what? That's the best. It's like a meatloaf. I think yeah. this would be delicious without the chicken, just as like a baked- I, you know what now that I'm thinking about? It, if you cook this in a paella pan or a flat pan and you got it super crispy and you got oh, the tadim, yeah. Ooh, that, that would, would be, be so good. that would be so, so good. And I think then if you could put chicken chunks on it, you would this would be a good hybrid version, fusion version. Not trying to be disrespectful to the origins of Palau, but if you're just going to Take cooking technique and like extrapolate it. I think what you'd want are the crispy bits, which I didn't get because I never even got to the bottom of the pan. Mm -hmm. I don't know if there's crispy bits because there's so much (laughs) food still left. Yeah, Um, there could very well be. But I think if you brought it out on a paella pan and you had like a nice inch layer of it, and you could put different ingredients on top, I think it'd be absolutely marvelous.
2: Yeah, I think I think that's right. I think that like you know, I think the dish is both spectacular for like it's it's like magnitude it's like it's a huge fucking showstopper piece but it's like also a limp a little bit limited because it's so fucking big i mean yes. this, this recipe feeds 18 people probably At least, i know i, I think that's uh, an yeah. understatement <laughs>
4: like, i filled i filled eight quart containers of yeah. this after i ate my portion
2: yeah it's a lot of food and i, I think like you know I don't think it's disrespectful, Dave. I think like a weekday version of this and like a smaller scale would be kind of, would be really interesting to see, you know, that wasn't, you know, like the huge celebratory thing. What's funny is like, this is a special occasion dish too. And Karen was like, oh, this is like one of eight things on the table. I was like, how, how is that possible? That This is one of eight different dishes of like this size and magnitude. I mean, it's amazing. It's so much food.
4: I've actually been eating this all week. And what I've been doing, I made some like lentils earlier. So I just do like a little thing of rice, a few pieces of chicken, lentils, some like steamed vegetables, yogurt, and so, like a little bit of lemon. And it's like a great little lunch bowl.
2: Oh my God. That does sound amazing. But it was overall, I mean, like, I loved making this thing. I loved, like, just how confused I was. I love that mystery that you guys are talking about where you're just like, I don't know what this is going to taste like. Oh, it's pretty fucking good. Like, that's, that's like, I don't know. We talk about, we talk about sort of flavor and cooking fatigue all the time. And it's nice to just make something that I have no idea. Like, I can't be tired of this because I have no idea what this is supposed to taste like or look like.
4: It was really fun to make something that, like, like you said, every single step was something I hadn't done before from like squishing beef into rice to like nestling the chicken in to like putting the beef chunks into the water adding two tablespoons of of seasoning like all of it was just totally new to me and it tasted great I like was so I was also like shocked when I opened the lid and like lo and behold like The water had absorbed, the rice had crisped appropriately, like the chicken was poking out. It was like nicely golden. It was like, you know, when you you, sometimes you just kind of do sort of a Hail Mary,
1: Mm -hmm. and that
4: was sort of what this felt like to me, because I had kind of lost any sense of like, what am I supposed to actually be doing here? Yeah. And it turned out great.
0: I mean, if this was like Harry Potter, this is basically (laughs) like making some kind of potion spell magic thing because I don't understand where the cardamom goes. Like, There's so much cardamom, and I think at some point you could add the equal amounts of cardamom and it will go disappear into another alternative universe because it just (laughs) (laughs) when you make this, I think that you know, time and space just stop. And yeah. it is a singularity effect happening right there because I don't know where the flavor goes. <laughs> I added so much shit to this. Yeah. yeah. It is one of the most pungent, and the house smelled beautiful. But I was like, there was this is going to almost taste like potpourri. That's what I thought. But yeah. it was perfect. It was. Perfect, and yeah. I don't know what happened. And everybody in my house, Grace is like, "Where is this from? What are we eating?" I said, "I have no idea, <laughs> but it's good, right?" <laughs> yeah, you cannot like
2: that's I, I, it, it's totally just like some kind of bottomless pit of spice acceptance where you're just yes. like, "I cannot overseason this." Like, I'm just going to keep putting stuff in here, mm-hmm. and it'll just hit. It'll hit its threshold, and then yeah, it'll disappear into into the multiverse. All this cardamom's going somewhere.
0: I would think that. Uh, it needs more heat though it could use more black pepper maybe white pepper but Mm -hmm. not chilies i don't think this dish because it is so many warm spices you want that chili heat i think this needs to be i would quadruple the black pepper almost Mm -hmm. in this and he's that latent gentle Mm -hmm. you know warm heat because this is not a dish where i we had like hot sauce with chili crunch with sriracha we didn't add it because i was like you're gonna lose weirdly the the, yeah. the the blend of spices. This dish is less about the, the the wall, the concrete of beef rice, and more about the baharat. Mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mm-hmm. agree.
2: Yeah, for sure. Like it, it's it's you you said it though. Like the the house smells fucking awesome. When this is cooking. It
4: smelled amazing, and Seth was like, "It smells amazing," but. <laughs> the smoke alarm just it like it would go off and then it would go on again immediately it would like pause for three seconds then it would start beeping again i have video of seth just being like this fucking chicken <laughs> and then him being like what is this for recipe club you're still doing that
0: <laughs> same same, seth. same. <laughs>
4: yeah. seth is like i need the oven for my broccoli supreme
0: yeah. <laughs> how long is it gonna be in there i'm not gonna have broccoli for seven hours <laughs> Can you can you laminate this dish?
2: <laughs> Here's a question. So we were all sort of like new to this dish, new to these techniques. It's a ton of food. Can you see the can you see yourselves making this again in some like whether in this full fashion or in some variation?
4: Yeah, I could see myself making a variation of the of the rice, I think. Like I just feel like the beefy rice was and like maybe i'd put like a bouillon cube to like simulate the 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 chickeny flavor but i don't even know if it needs it like the beef imparted a lot of flavor as did the the baharat so i could see myself making like the rice the rice version of this for sure like the version that dave described where you sort of make it in a paella pan that sounds amazing i feel like i always forget that like fancy rice is like a really great way to entertain and impress people
0: mhm mhm I, I I'm going to actually do something more strange on this. I will make versions of this. I don't know if I'll make it like this, but I think this is going to expand my repertoire of of how I make dinner in, in the like the what feels like the like a eastern block like you know everyone in my family feels like I, I like I'm like making food in the gulag or something because it's, it tastes the same to everybody. And I think what was so impactful about this dish was that it tasted like nothing I've ever made before with Mm -hmm. the spice. It tasted similar but you couldn't really pinpoint it. And I think whether you use baharat or not, I'm probably going to use cardamom. I'm going to use more spices and I have been but like that that medley was very different in terms of proportion Mm -hmm. and I'm going to make it with maybe angel hair pasta next time broken up and do like a fideos with that. Mm -hmm. I think it could be really good that way.
2: Yeah, that's. How, I mean, like, I I think that if I were to do some variation on this, I liked, I liked like the I liked the beef block. I like you know like when you when I make rice in like in the donabe or something, I'm just use like chunks of meat or something. Like it was interesting to have like such a great like to throw the proportions off where it's like it's not just like sort of little pieces of topping inside your rice so much as like the rice and the topping are homogenized into this into this like mixture. It'd be it'd be cool to make that like in a sort of more, you know, three or four person <laughs> serving size. So, and I I think that like baharat's amazing though.
4: Mhm. It is, yeah.
0: I thought this dish was wonderful. I it's very rare that I make something and I have no idea what I'm making and surprised mm-hmm. the entire f- cooking of it was not it was unorthodox. It just was not familiar to me. It really took everything i thought about cooking to like its breaking point literally yeah. mm-hmm. and i thought it was great i'm definitely going to make this some version of it again i just don't know if i'll make the quantity
4: mm-hmm. again.
0: yeah yeah
2: so that so i you know this season priya the way we're trying to decide winners is to uh, encourage our our listenership to make the recipes that might be the only thing that would like prevent this one from really sailing to a to a place in the finals. Is like, I absolutely encourage you to make this recipe. Just find your closest thirty seven friends to, to eat it yeah. with you. Like, that's the only thing. Like, you could, you should absolutely make it. But you need a gigantic pot, and you need a lot of mouths to feed. I think. Mm-hmm. Do you want to do any more as as competitive, Freya? You want to do more of a entreaty to your to your friends to make to make this thing?
4: I mean. Honestly, you can scale it down if you want to feed fewer people. but like ultimately, this dish is like seven, eight ingredients. Like it's really not it's not a ton of work. It's a little bit of babysitting, but you know, it's a few ingredients that makes for a really high reward and something that like when I opened the lid, I was like, "Wow, that looks and smells amazing.
2: Yeah, you can scale it down, use a Cornish game hen. And you uh, could,
4: I mean, yeah, I like I might make this again using like bone in thighs or something like that.
2: People should make this. It's awesome. And I feel I feel pretty good about this. How are you feeling Chang, about this listener submitted thing so far? This is our second one. We did a breakfast sausage, a delightful fucking breakfast sausage roll with John DeBerry. I'm liking these recipes. I
0: don't like this consolation trophy. stuff. So <laughs> this is. We need a winner. And it's not just the best recipe. Like one of us needs to win, you know? Yeah.
4: I think also the other thing that you probably have most of the ingredients for this recipe in your fridge. Maybe you don't have the Baharat, but I, all I had to buy for this recipe was the meat basically.
2: Right. I love that Priya is like, now that I know how to win this game, I have to play the game.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 but this is true. Like, you know, remember that we are now going to institute a new like winning thing here. Right. Uh, the the actual recipe club participant gets a prize and a, and a belt and a title. Who's your favorite. Oh
4: God, this is, that's so stressful. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So at the end of the season, you guys are going to vote. Who's your favorite, most valuable player. And Um. again, like, I'm just going to say, I love you guys. I love all of you. (laughs) You look great. Have you been (laughs) looking great? (laughs) No, 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 no. Chris, you look great. I (laughs) would never do that to the audience. I'm just saying, Thank you for spending time with us, for participating, and believing in us, because I believe in you guys. Thank you very much. Oh, my God. Okay. So, I guess we're, we, we wrapped up our, our, our first episode with Priya on Recipe Club, and I, I recommend everyone make it. My prediction is this might be the dark horse to win the entire season, because- if wow. you judge a recipe on something that you've never made before, it flavors that may be unfamiliar to you or you are familiar, but I don't think the ratio of these ingredients are something you are familiar with um, and the actual ease of it. I expected this to be one of the messiest things of all time. But if you make it the way we're suggesting with maybe putting a pan under it or getting a giant, giant pot or actually just making one-eighth the size, I think you'd be really happy. This is going to be something yeah. you're going to make a lot, and this is just probably one variation of it. So, and, and also don't forget that I think that this is going to win, and that you should vote for me as the most valuable player as well.
2: <laughs> so this is well, about like, tape. I was like, what's
0: he doing right now? It's like, yeah. this is like
2: the president coming to campaign <laughs> in a local congressional district. <laughs> yes. Just be like, I think you should vote for this one.
0: Because listen, it, it's, isn't it about like, r- making sure that we Celebrate recipes that you're not normally familiar with, you know. And that's I, I know, the like, point of the show. I that's agree. why I know. And I think that, like, this is the one that I want to stand behind. And we're gonna win this. We're gonna win this. There's something happening here, Priya, that I don't understand. He's playing I'm some a little game bit, right yeah, now. I, I'm, I I'm
4: not, honestly really nervous about it.
2: I do not trust whatever he's doing. But you know, we'll find out his his long game later on. Uh, for now, we will share the recipe in the Discord. We will put it out in the Fixer newsletter. Uh, next week on Recipe Club, Dave Chang is getting a much-deserved break from the show.
0: I don't I don't want to, I want to keep on doing this. Today, I feel like, you know, the Apostle Paul. I was Saul. Now I'm the Apostle Paul. I feel changed. You know, and Something I feel... <laughs>
2: fucking happening. I don't know what's happening right now. Something is happening. And I, don't and I just want to
0: say, every one of you guys, deep down, you have a recipe like this. Just, you know, don't be afraid. Don't be there's afraid. No bad, there's no bad recipe because yeah. I believe in you. Chris may not believe in you. Definitely Priya does not believe in you, but I believe in you. Oh my god. Oh my god. He's Definitely Priya. A
2: <laughs> fucking popularity contest. Uh, oh. Next week we've got Brian Ford and Rachel Kong coming on to uh, mess around with Cake Mix. The week after that we'll have a special guest episode. It's going to be amazing. And then Priya's coming back at the helm next month. Priya, you want to pick your next ingredient right now from your your draft in addition to peel off you had yogurt canned beans tomatoes green beans and peanut butter you want to pick which one you want to do next
4: let's do canned beans because i feel beans. like we're sort of at the tail end here of like when making like
2: beans bean yes yeah, stewy
4: beans is good right. let's do canned beans
2: and remember everybody priya specifically requested on the draft episode that she wants recipes that Discard the beans and only use the mucusy liquid. No,
4: no, no, both, <laughs> both. Use oh, i both.
2: both. I thought you wanted just the mucusy no, liquid. No, I don't want liquid. just
4: bean goop. I want recipes that maybe do something with
0: the goop. It doesn't have to, but like, you know, I like, I like a recipe that includes some goop. And just remember any of those bean lovers out there, Priya hates beans she hates it (laughs) she's only doing this to troll you guys any bean (laughs) lovers out there Priya
4: hates beans by any means by any
2: means necessary
0: here Dave by any
2: beans necessary he will take down Priya Priya hates beans oh my god All right, give us 5 stars wherever you rate this thing Spotify send your recipes into the fixer at majordomomedia.com find us on the discord we want it we want bean bean goop recipes Thank you.
4: But also beans.
2: Period hates
0: beans.